This year now is going to be a, is a Chazorah of this year, and this past Shabbos, Parshas Bamidba. We were learning last week, possible, not only is it possible, but it's very reachable for each and every one of us to get the combination to that safe that opens up the door to the Koyach HaRuchni HaPnimi, that inner Koyach of who we Be'emes, Be'emes are. And all that's required is a change in perception and a change in orientation, which the Mechavot Rosh Schwartz ended at last place that we were up to on page Ayin Gimel with the words, Ein Im The tachlis of our Avoida, to begin our Avoida as Jews and of this Sefer, is to learn how to identify with that Koyach Pnimi Ruchni, how to identify with that part of ourselves. Otherwise, we can go to 120, carrying inside of us this amazing treasure, this wealth of of God Himself that's inside each and every one of us. But we'll never, ever, ever experience that, live that, and breathe that world of 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 the Nishama, of the Pnimi. So what is required? So Rav Schwartz says, Zorak shinui shel All that's required is a shinui shel tfisa. A change in our tfisa, our perception, our grasp of ourselves and of who we really are. And that's what we're going to begin with now on the bottom of page Ayin Gimel. The Mechaber will give us two misholim, two examples from life to help us understand what does that mean to change one's identity or to identify with the inner reality of who we are. What does that mean? And he'll give us two mashalim that we can all relate to and understand in a very, very simple level. That it's not the same to understand something and to be something. I'm going to give some examples in order to understand the depths of what we're learning. Let's imagine a person who's single, a bachelor. All of his life, he lived with a certain Seder. The longer that this person is single, obviously, the more committed he is to that exact, or that particular Seder Hayar. It's a certain way of life. To a certain surah of what life is like. I mean, those who grew up, those who grew up in yeshiva, the transition in, in being in dormitories and so on, the transition to married life, the transition to the next stage in life, uh, <clears throat> meant letting go of of many many things that were part that were acceptable and even enjoyable as a bacher and as a single person, but would no longer be acceptable in marriage. This person feels, He's free. He's free. We used to have in the corner in the yeshiva in the room, we had, we had a little basketball hoop on, the, on top. We made a basketball hoop, and, and we would actually, that's where we would shoot our dirty laundry. And uh, hopefully would end up underneath in some basket, on the floor. If it didn't, no, it didn't. This was something which my wife would find unacceptable. It's just an example of those things in life that that are wonderful for the bacher, but certainly don't work 
in this, as part of the Seder Hayyim of somebody who's married. Because the Bochu Chosh Meshuchra Kivyochal, the single fellow feels he's entirely free. He's completely free. Bishus Atzmai, he doesn't have to really answer to anybody, at least in, that he could see in this world. He feels that he's Bishus Atzmai, that he belongs to himself. Ein Misha Kovalesai, there's nobody at all that's tying him down and that's holding him, that tells him where he has to be this time or that time. So our, our vaxel here finally goes under the chuppah, gets married. Then life takes a turn, whether it's for better or for worse, that's up to each person to, to determine. But it certainly is different because now, now a person is bound to the Ezek Konegda. The bachelor, the single fellow, is now married, and he has a cheshman every single minute of his life. He's meshubit, in a good way, hopefully, to the Ezek Konegda, to his wife. And so it is with a woman when she gets married. That's her new life, for Ezek Konegda. He's no longer the person, he's no longer the, the person that's free to go where he wants to, to say, to, be, to do what he wants to, to make up a say the Hayom according to his own personal needs. It's not just a matter of understanding. It's not just a question of, I know that after the chuppah, after the chasna, I, I am no longer single. It's not a matter just of what a person knows. It's a shinu it's, it's an entirely different awareness, an entirely, an entirely different feeling. Our even when the person is not home with his wife, every single minute, wherever he goes, even if he's chutz labayis, I saw a very, very sweet thing. There was uh, the daughter of the tzaddik, the Leva Avram, who Sefer reviews many times in the Chabura. She was kind enough to to uh, send me something that she wrote about about her father's Echad Tzadik Koshel Avroch, Rabbi Weinfeld, for months. He was a tzaddik. He said, "I don't that tzaddik again." And and um, one of the most touching things in this in this little biography was that uh, she wrote there how how her mother, how the Rebbeinson, uh, came down or went to the study where where the the Leva of Rome was learning, and he looked up from the sefer and he said, "I want you to know that even though I'm here in this sefer, I remember every single minute that I'm married to you and I think of you." He said such a lushan. I was very touched by that. It's a different chusha. It's a different reality. Uh, an example of somebody who is, who is not like the Leva Avram, that I, I said on Shabbos, I remember that when I was, it was by Shever Brachis, so I had to go, I had to go take care of some things, the place, the arrangements with the food. I had to go speak to somebody in the place where we were going to have the Shever Brachis. And, and first, my first mistake was that it's not 100% clear, even though it's already almost 30 years, it's not 100% clear if my wife was waiting for me. She's a wonderful tzedekist. She said it was fine, but but uh, there were no cell phones, of course, in those days. I'm not sure if she was waiting for me and I was supposed to take her or I was supposed to go on my own. It's still a matter of, of uh, uh, it's still debated in the family whether this was a terrible avil on my part. But anyway, I went by myself. I went by myself to the to the caterer and I was discussing the uh, the with him, the details of, of, of that night, 
and and um, and he said to me, maybe maybe you'd like to discuss this with uh, with Mrs. Weinberger, and and I, I remember that that thought that came right into my head. And I said to him, like, why why would I want? Like, why is my mother interested in? But I have to talk to my mother about this. In other words, I felt that I was married enough not to have to have my mother coming with me to the store, but I wasn't married enough to identify Mrs. Weinberger as the new Mrs. Weinberger, my wife. What the Mechabi here is saying is, when a person, even if a person's chutz labayis, even if a person's not in the house, his chutz labayis, but in his thoughts, he knows that where he is during the day, it's not like he was when he was a bachelor, but he comes home, doesn't come home, he wants to go to visit somebody, he wants to go to, the, to a story, what doesn't make a difference. Now he knows that there's somebody that's waiting for him at home and he has to go home. writes, And it's not just that. He also, if he said that he's going to be home at 8 o'clock, he should be home at 8 o'clock, 8.10, 8.15, if there's traffic or there's something wrong with the train, but he can't stop, show up at 9 o'clock, 9.30, there's a person there who's worried about him, there's a person who prepared a supper, who prepared a meal, who loves him, who's waiting for him, you can't do such a thing, it's a different life. He identifies himself as a married person, page I endowed. This change of identity obviously gives birth to many practical changes in one's daily life and one's routine. It's not only knowing that I'm married. It's not only another fact that I know that I'm married. It's not a matter of information, it's a matter of identification. In the depths of who I am, I see myself now, I feel, I live and breathe a different life. It's not something that I just know. I'm in this life, a different life. When he gets up in the morning, he knows from the beginning it's not something that he has to think about or work out. He understands it's, it's obvious that he can't arrange for some appointment the following morning at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. He understands that's not, that's not acceptable. Obviously, he has a home. He has a family. It's no longer going someplace to meet somebody, to have a schmooze at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. And again, he doesn't have to think about this. It's become, hopefully, it's become woven into the fabric of who he is. It takes a while, but that's who he is. He's married. And if he made such an appointment without a cheshman, without thinking of his, of his wife, it's a nice way of saying that he's not... He's a crazy person. There's something missing. Likoi means there's something emotionally missing in this person who would like to be married, who considers himself married, but goes about his life as if he's single. There's a likoi nafshi. There is something chaser. There's a chesorin. Emotional chesorin in this person. Odon 
A person, a person who gets married, he understands that he has to be realistic. There's a new reality. There's a new life. It's a new reality. There's a new reality, and the reality is he no longer lives by himself. Life itself forces him and binds him to this reality. To recognize that there is somebody here there's somebody else in his life there's somebody with whom he's sharing his life this is something that he has to live with and he has to identify with and as long as he doesn't God forbid there are, as you know there are many many people who never ever identify themselves in such a way they know that they're married but they never under they never actually underwent they never went through this change in the zihui of who they really be'emes are. Hayidiyazu. This knowledge, Sha'adam Yadeshu the person knows that a person knows that he's that he got married. Nobody has to explain this to him and teach it to him. He understands. Every intelligent, normal person understands. It's a part of a person's self-awareness and identity of who he is. Who may even levad, he understands. His chatanti, I got married. Something changed. After that, after the chuppah, after the chuppah, after the chuppah, after the chasna, something changed. His chatanti, yeishli mareches mushutefes, I no longer have a life that's by myself. I'm part of a mareches mushutefes, of a combined partnership, of a of a combined effort to go through life together as two parts of one mitzvah. It's a different mitzvah. It's a different life, a different world. And I have to contend with this. I have to live according to this new reality. And we all know, and maybe some of us, <clears throat> when we were first married, it's a very common thing. Lamashal, you have you have a guy, you know, you have the guys want to get together to go on a camping trip, and they all say to their wives, everything's okay, no, no problem, just a three four days camping trip, off from work, everything okay, and the and the wives, what are they supposed to say? Okay, everything's okay, and and they have their little outing, they have their camping trip, and then uh, three weeks later, the guys going to go out to eat a little bit. The guys, fine, everything okay. The women, the wives are fine. Then the guys are going to have the little uh, bowling league, or the little softball league, whatever it might be. The guys, the guys, that world, that world of the guys. A few days with the guys, as harmless as it might be in the beginning, if it persists through life, if this persists, and and the wife <clears throat> begins to get the impression that her husband is not letting go of his single life and that he wants the privileges and the pleasures of married life without the responsibility, without accepting the numitzis of who he is, this can cause terrible, terrible machlaikas. This could cause terrible problems in Shalom Bayez. If a, if, a, if a person, if a guy 
is torn between, let's say, his parents and his wife. We all know that this causes terrible, terrible problems in Shalom Bayis. Even though he's married, he still identifies himself as the son of Pliny and Plinus. He still sees himself, of course, those are his parents honoring them and loving them and everything he could do, 100%. But when those borders are not clear, and when the person is not, does not see himself in that passage of al and now you have left, you must leave your father and your mother, and how much pain is caused to women from this parsha, unbelievable pain that women go through as a result of this sugya. Same thing, vice versa. And I mentioned in the Shia, on Shabbos, that quite a few years ago, I remember speaking to a, a group of very, very Chosheva women in, uh, in Farakalai. It, it, it was a special gathering of young mothers. But a few of them came and asked me to speak to them that they were having a hard time adjusting to the very challenging life of, of uh, motherhood. It's hard. Of course, for the guys, we don't understand what's so hard about it, but it's very, very, very hard. And they wanted a shear to give them chizik. So, so I went to speak to them. I remember it was in someone's house, and it was a very, very chosh <coughs> of a group of, the, uh, of these sadkanias. And and even though it's a long time ago, it, it, it's very much a part of what I remember. It made a very big roshim on me, the sincerity, the seriousness of, 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 these, of these girls who accepted what they were told, and they heard all of the beautiful sikhs, and they listened to all of the beautiful shirim, and they ran off and they got themselves married under the chuppah, and they were also you know, told, try to bring all these neshamas down before Mashiach, as many as you can, and they were in Hashem's work of trying to bring up, trying to bring down into the world and raise up His children. And uh, like most of the important things in life, nobody really told them or us. The nobody gave us the kalim or prepared us. And you know what? Even if you would hear a million shirim and read a million books, you never, you never ready for that mitzvah of becoming a mother, of becoming a father. So I remember that after the shir. A few of the women stayed after when they were talking, uh, and they were asking me some things. And I felt very, I felt very inept because really you need a woman to talk about these things with the with the with the girls because uh, it's not fair for a guy who doesn't really understand the the depth of the uh, of the frustration that they're feeling. But but one of the one of the women said to me, she was explaining how she she was raised in a in, a, in an affluent in an affluent home, and there were only, I think, there were like two children, and there was full-time help. This is the way that she was raised, and she went to the seminary, and she, Lord Hashem, she, she decided that she wants to live a certain kind of a life, and she was committed to that, and she married a wonderful guy. And at this point, this, the, the, the rest of the fairy tale should go on to say, and they lived happily ever after. But it's in that point of living happily ever after, that that's always that place where they never really fill you in on the problem. So it wasn't quite happily ever after. She she was very honest, and, she, and in front of the other girls, they all were shaking their heads, that they're going through similar things, that she felt, she said, she, she can't help 
feeling angry and bitter. She doesn't know if she's angry at her husband. She sometimes feels angry at the baby. She feels angry at the little kids because, <clears throat> because she had a certain way of living. She enjoyed a life that consisted of time to read. She's a smart girl. She enjoys reading. She enjoys spending time with friends. She enjoyed getting dressed up and made up, and she enjoyed going out a little bit. She enjoyed getting exercise. She likes to stroll on the beach. She liked a little bit of exercise. She liked, to, in the old days, to catch a movie. These are all things that were part of her life. And now in her new, in her new life, in a more religious, with a more religious levush and everything else, she's beginning to realize that even though she is officially a mother, but emotionally she hasn't let go of the little girl in the in the pretty little big house somewhere with the with the uh, living maid. She hasn't really changed essentially in her orientation and her way of looking at herself. And we know that it's a terrible, terrible source of pain and bitterness and embarrassment and other things which we're not going to go into right now when you have God forbid a massive like this when there's a when there's a, a girl who insists emotionally not officially on the address it says her married name and on all the letter the letters it says her married name but emotionally she never ever changed from being a young woman she didn't become a mother She's still desperately holding on to that mitzvah of a young woman, and she'll say things. And this is she'll say things like, "Well, I'm not allowed to enjoy myself. I'm not allowed to have a good time. I'm not allowed to have some free time for myself." I can't tell you how many times I've had situations where there are where there are families that are falling apart because of situations like this, where where either from the man's side or from the or from the mother, the woman's side, or both. That these are people who are playing house, but they never ever change the zihui, their way of identifying themselves. That's dangerous for the children. Hamavin Yovan, I don't think that requires any explanation. The children of our generation are suffering terribly from these, from these uh, situations. I've spoken about this many times, and I spoke about it back then. And I remember there were some of them were upset with me about young young couples with little children leaving leaving three, four, five children with grandparents. I thank God the grandparents now are younger than they used to be. But to leave to leave three, four, five kids with people who are not as agile <coughs> uh, as they used to be, even though we know that there's nobody who loves the kids more than the grandparents, and they'll probably get a lot of attention, and they'll, be, they'll have a terrific time, but there is this feeling of entitlement that many of the young couples have, that I'm entitled to still be a bachur or a bachura or bacharet, whatever you want to call it. I'm entitled to still be that person. And and it's hard to explain. We're not arguing over whether this is good or bad, whether it's right or it's wrong. We're arguing, we're talking about the mitzvah. The mitzvah says, my friend, you are a mother. And, it, and I mean, I'm not a woman. You're a mother. You're a mother who's a woman. But the ikka right now is that you're a mother. And whereas it was something which was pushed to our mothers and grandmothers, that being a mother was not just something that they knew about, or that, was a, that had certain responsibilities, but it was in Gansen and under Mitzvahs. It was a different Mitzvahs. 
it was something that was accepted. And when there's acceptance, not only acceptance, when there's expectation and acceptance, so then not only can you deal with the difficulties of raising a family, but you can actually, I know it might sound crazy, you can actually delight in that mitzvah of, of um, raising a family. We had this conversation with our girls years ago after they spent a uh, Shabbos by my cousins in Williamsburg, and they came back with many uh, revelations that they saw there by the Mishpach in Williamsburg. And, and, uh, and one of them was that this realization that from the time that they're little girls, from the time that they're, that they're little girls, they were being groomed as future mothers. As, uh, and the responsibilities of taking care of babies, in other words, the older sister, to take care of the little sister, wasn't something, I'm doing a taiva for my mother. It's not, I'm a tzaddikist, and I get points and stars, and I go, and I go to school, and they're going to give me the chesed award for chesed girl of the year. This is the mitzvah. The mitzvah is, I am, a, I am a little girl preparing to be a mother. And the preparations for becoming a mother mean making sacrifices. Not living for yourself. When a person, when a person is raised in that world of identifying herself as a future mother, the transition obviously is going to be much easier. There are other problems in that island, but as far as the transition is concerned to motherhood, it's an easier transition. I was set on that program from the time that I was a little girl, and I took care of the little of the, of the pitzel that was next to me. We all know we're in Yerushalayim or in these neighborhoods. We all we all smile when we see a, a five-year-old crossing a three-year-old, and this is and, and taking care and bringing you into the store and take and in those neighborhoods where Baruch Hashem is safe for them, they're able to go in Yerushalayim or here, whatever it might be. It's a certain way of thinking of oneself. It's not a matter of what I do and knowing it. It's a matter of how do I look at myself. And when you have, and when you have a, when you have a woman who insists emotionally, not psychologically or intellectually, but emotionally, she insists on remaining a young woman, a girl. So we understand there's going to be terrible bitterness. And we once spoke about how Rav Soloveitchik Soloveitchik described the loneliness of the loneliness of of the of the mother at night and finally, finally it's a little bit quiet and she's able to go to sleep and she closes her eyes and after a few minutes there's that familiar sound of the baby and at first you hope that maybe it's just going to calm down and then by the, you know, then it starts the screaming and hollering and she looks over to, to her tzaddik over there and the tzaddik of course is in his 12th rem and uh, he's, he's chasing over his learning from the entire day and he's not, uh, he's oblivious to the sound that's coming from the next room. And that loneliness that, that's not written up, it's not filmed, it's not discussed, that 3.22 run to the baby's room to take a baby from the crib and to, to help the child, that kind of loneliness can often lead to despair. If a woman was expecting something else, or if a woman was not identifying herself as a mother, the moment that she not only accepts, but she engages in that new persona of being a mother, she's able to let go. She's able to let go of the of much of the of much of the frustration, all of the anger for sure. Who are you angry at? You angry at a kid for crying? What's going to be angry? You're crazy. 
but the frust- also the frustration. And that's what Rav Schwartz is talking about. Hashinui imkain hu bezihui. The change we're talking about here is a change in zihui, in your identity. How does the bachelor now see himself that he's married? What does he live? What's the air that he breathes? Not what is he thinking. What is he living? It's not something that you read about in the books or that you study about. It's this knowledge and awareness which is it must create within him an entirely different view of life, a different way of living. That's the first marshal. The second marshal of how there are changes that are not only adjustments in thinking, but but entering in mamish, entering into a new realm of existence. Really, this is something which is not only taking place at some great cataclysmic change in a person's life, such as marriage, but even something which is much more uh, common. There are many times throughout life that we go through changes. And again, if we identify with that, we have a different way of living it. If we don't, then the suffering is infinitely greater. The dogma, for example. Adam nimsa God forbid a person has to be in the hospital. He has to spend a week or two in the hospital. He calls Whatever it is, he has to be in the hospital for a week or two. B'yayim harishim. On the first day that he's there, Hukamba Biker, he gets up in the morning. Now he knows in his head, look, he knows that he, he was hospitalized last night, he knows that he went to sleep in the hospital. But Miyad in the morning, Miyad Kishapisech Esainayim, when he opens his eyes in the morning, he looks around and he's very disoriented. Husatsmo, Heichan Aninimsu. Where am I? Where am I? Makarikan. What's going on over here? We're going to learn soon that there's a similar, much more intense experience the morning after a person dies. Uh, when he when he becomes aware of a different reality. But in the hospital, this person opens his eyes and he's and he's wondering, Hechananimsa, Makarikan. Where am I? What am I doing here? This time, then he's he's trying to get his bearings, and suddenly, Huniska, he remembers. Of course, of course, I was taken to the hospital last night, and I and I went to sleep in the hospital. And that's why I I got up now, and I'm in the hospital. It's not that something happened and somebody came to my house and kidnapped me in my bed and brought me into a hospital. Nobody took me to Emsa That's the experience that the person has. Of course, all of this happens in two, three seconds. 
until he until he gets his bearings, until he he gathers himself and his consciousness back to himself, and he accepts. Oh, of course, I'm in the hospital. So on the first day, this is what goes on. Unfortunately, the guy is still in the hospital. By the time he, and he has to be there for a while. By the time it gets to the second and third day, immediately when he gets up in the morning, he already remembers right away where he is. He's in the hospital. You know, we all know that there are people, we've read about this, we've heard, we've uh, met people, that sometimes they get so used to being in a hospital that they can't get, it's hard for them to get used to being away from the hospital. Or people who are, people who are going through a certain help or certain therapy, <clears throat> they can become dependent on that. In other words, can a person change his way of identifying with the reality that he's in? Obviously, sometimes that's very, very good. In the case of marriage, that's that's not only is it good, it's absolutely required. In the case of being in the hospital, in this marshal he's giving now, for the time being, if he's going to be angry and resentful and look at himself as being a person, I'm a free man, I belong at home, and he starts, t- this has happened, he starts tearing off the, uh, I was in someplace a few weeks ago, and, uh, and the... Uh, and the patient, an elderly man, was pulling off all the time the um, um, the intravenous. He was pulling off the wires. He wants to. He wants to to get out. He's not. This is not my place. I don't belong in this place. It's not me. For him to be able, on the one hand, for, for him to be able to to uh, be in the hospital and to benefit from being in the hospital and to and to accept that emotionally, he has to understand this is the mitzvahs. I'm here for a week or two. On the other hand, he has to be careful not to over-identify. It's a little bit of a delicate matzah. Not to over-identify with his predicament of being hospitalized because then it might be hard for him, Taka, when it's time to be detached from all the tubes, it could be hard for him. And he might, this feeling of being sick and in need of hospitalization could linger. So it's a delicate balance. But we understand that, while, that the second or third day, this fellow has to be here for a week or two, unfortunately. So, I'm in the hospital. This, has, this already has great meaning. The Seder Hayom, the order and the schedule of the day in the hospital, the Seder Hayom Shalobabayas, and then it's the same. It's not the same Seder. So, this guy's going to sit here in the hospital and say, I can't believe it. <clears throat> the, the nurse comes in and says, "We have to take you. We have to take you now to the uh, for some X-rays." And the guy says, "What are you talking about? It's it's 8:30. 8:30 means it's time for me. To, it's time for me uh, to be at work. I have to get on the train. I have an 8:33 to catch. What are you talking about X-rays?" So we understand that if a person is if a person is going to do that, then he's going to be very very miserable and even uncooperative. Because they say the Hayyam in the hospital is totally different. So he has to now look at himself as being a patient in the hospital. And a patient in the hospital has a different Seder. And when he accepts that and he identifies himself as a patient in the hospital, then he's able to live with that Seder Hayyim. He's able to see himself in such a way to cooperate and to try to help the nurses and doctors bring him back around. Not only that, 
But now when he has visitors, he's also like he became a maven. He starts to explain, oh, this medicine's for that, and this is for that, and the, and the way he works here in the hospital is like this. He already became a Gansabala boss, you know. After being a day or two in the hospital, he already is a... He's already, you know, becomes the mayor of the of the floor, <clears throat> and he already knows his way around, and he knows uh, all the doctors and the nurses, and he tells them, "Oh, did you check for this? And you have to check for that." He never heard of any of these things before. I remember I had such a sad feeling when I was talking to somebody the other day, who uh, was told that um, that he has cancer, and he already, st- he already started telling me all these diff- these these very very complicated terms. And I was thinking, he's already done research on this subject. He's already. He's already spoken to a lot of people. He knows already the Lashinus. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. On the other hand, he's accepting that this Azamachla that he has and that he has the limitations that that Machla brings, and he has to deal with it. But this is how the, this is how a person lives in this world. It takes some time Till he can digest this. Till he can digest it. To accept that this is not my home. There is a different state of Hayom over here. This past Pesach, by Achim Shal Pesach, we were talking at the table. And invariably, uh, the children really now, my kids, lead the conversation with my parents to the Holocaust. Even though I've, uh, I have... I did the same thing to my parents, obviously, when we were growing up, but I've asked the kids to try to take it easy a little bit. But they're, obviously, this is something that they're troubled by, and they're also fascinated with. And they start to ask questions about, about, the, uh, about the war. And, and uh, one of the children was saying that, you know, my father, they had asked some questions. My father was describing what the, what the day was like, you know, with the beatings and the filth, and the the degradation, the humiliation, the pain, watching your, your best friend uh, this one die, the next one die, and and my uh, and, and and the kids were well, the kids were saying they'd say, so how did how did you how did you uh, live? How do you manage with that? How do you manage with that? So my father said something. It's I I said I couldn't remember him saying this when we were growing up, but my, when I would ask the same questions, my father said. That I didn't think of any other life anymore. That after being there for a couple of a couple of weeks, at some point, my father said it just became it just became life. That's what life was. If you look the wrong way, you get whacked over the head, and if you look the other way, you get kicked in the stomach, and and other things that when you don't you're not you're sick and you I'm sorry to embarrassed to say but you're sick and you you go. Well, you have to go, uh, and, and it was, and the children going, oh, ow, how's it? How? My father said, "That's who we became. We became animals. We became those people that they wanted, those animals that they wanted us to become, and it was just something that we, that we accepted. And at some point, my father said that we weren't really thinking of changing, of how it could change." And <clears throat> this is just this became this became Amitzias, and we could understand that this had Mefarshim explain the problems that Bnei Yisrael had leaving Mitzrayim. Sfarno and Ben and other Mefarshim tell us that we and we all know this that leaving Mitzrayim, the fact that we left Mitzrayim, doesn't mean that we were no longer slaves. 
if a person got used to seeing himself as a slave, and a slave lives a certain way and thinks a certain way, so that that person essentially identifies himself as a slave now that he's officially free and he's got his papers and he's and, and they tell him go ahead go to, go go walk that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that that he can that he can adjust to that and we know Lahavdil, the difficulties that prisoners have when they leave prison and the stories and the things that are written about prisoners <coughs> who when they leave prison they can't adjust to being free as they became prisoners that's how they saw themselves. In this case, that identity needed to be dropped already. But it's very hard. People struggle with this. Do people begin to identify themselves by what they do and the changes that they go through in life? So, Take some time to accept that you're no longer you're no longer in the house, you're no longer home. El Bamokamacher, you're in a different place. Well Then naturally life flows into that new way and you have a, a different Seder Hayom, which you live with and you accept that that's the Seder Hayom. These are two Misholim. Marriage and the hospital, especially if you're a married person who's hospitalized, these two mishalom are only in order to help us, of course, understand the oimik of the nimshal. The oimik of the nimshal, the depth of the nimshal, is what the rest of the sefer is about. What's the nimshal? Page Ayin Hey. We'll just get started a little bit. What's the nimshal? The Nitzis, the life, the reality of a human being is that he is made of physical matter and spirit and ruach, a guf and nisham, guf and nisham, a body and a soul. In a very natural way, we understand. That from the time they're in this world, each and every one of us identifies our existence by the physical conditions and circumstances that we're in. That's how we see ourselves. I am hungry. I am tired. I am thirsty. This is, I, I am in pain. This is hurting me. This gives me pleasure. Our entire way of, of identifying ourselves and seeing ourselves is through physical experiences. It's all identified with the guf. That's how we identify ourselves. Therefore, we understand that when something is not going as planned in our physical lives, it could be to the smallest little thing. I didn't expect to stub my toe. I didn't expect to break my, my fingernail. I didn't, I didn't expect to miss the train or the bus. I didn't expect to be fired. I didn't expect the car to break down. I didn't expect to be given the wrong directions. I didn't expect. All of those all of those surprises that throw us completely that throw us completely off are part of our lives as essentially physical 
organisms. So when a person is mezuhim aguf, he's mezuhim achaymer, means he identifies himself by his physical chaymer, by physical matter. Hatafkid shalonu, our tafkid in life, and that's what the Sefer is going to help us on this journey. Before we can even get down to practical changes, see, we're always working on, I'm going to work on my midas, I'm going to work on my davin, I'm going to work on my learning. All of that, that's how we were raised. All of that is part of the avayda ma'isis. But there's something that comes before that. What comes before that is, there has to be a change in how we identify ourselves. You see, you could, you could be the young woman that's making believe you're a mommy, but you're, but you're, you're miserable and suffering. Because really inside of you, you're a young girl. And you identify with that same young girl. But now I'm a young girl that's forced to get up in the middle of the night to feed this, this, this whining kid. Or I'm the, or I'm, uh, uh, in the case of the guy, I am this, I'm still a bacher, and I'm forced because of this whining wife to make uh, more money or to go to work. Now, I'm forced because of this whining baby and whining wife to have to buy a house. And because of that, to have to afford a mortgage. Now I can't go, I can't have my season's tickets to the ball game, you know, and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> a person, a person, every single one of us is made of in the Shaman and a goof. Before you could get down to the work of being a mommy or a daddy. Before you could get down to the work of being a Jew. You have to have, go through a change in identifying yourself and self-identity. A different tfisa of life. We have to learn how to see ourselves in a different way. Whereas from the time that we were in the world, our self-identity was, was determined by physical conditions. Hot, cold, hungry, thirsty, full, empty, fun, pain. To be a Jew, <clears throat> to be a Yid, to spend a good 120 years in this world requires a shinui, a change in our zehus. To begin not only to understand, we all understand there's an Hashem inside. And anybody ask, Avada, I know that the main thing in my life is my neshama. Avada, I understand. Certainly I know that a lulav is important on sukkis and a shayv is important on shoshana. I also understand that it's important to daven in them. I understand the tefillin. I understand such as... But I'm not living in that world. I'm not living in that world. There's me and there's the tefillin. There's me and there's the sukkah. Just like that woman, that, that little girl that became a mommy. There's me, there's me, and there's the baby in the next room. It's not that the baby is me. There's me and there's the baby in the next room. There's me and there's the baby over here next to me. But there's me and. That me and, it's not who I am. There's something different that's been superimposed upon me. And I, and I feel it's like an infection. So a person can sit in a sukkah for 80 sukkahs. He can hear a shaifa for 80, 120, the shoshanas. And he could be the citizen of film. And he could sit and he could learn a cipher. All of those things. But it's always the other. Sukkah is outside of me. The tefillin is something other than me. My davening is other than me. I have to daven. I have to sit in the sukkah. 
there's me, just like the mother, I have to take care of the baby. Which, of course, is a madrega also, that shouldn't be taken lightly. The, the, the acceptance and the Kabbalah's all of doing things, even if it hurts and it's painful, it's a very hush of a thing, there's no question that it's gewaldige that a person has in the next world for dragging himself over to the sukkah or dragging herself over to the baby. It's a gewaldige But is it the tachlis of why we were created? Is that how we were created? The person lives that way because, of the, because he identifies himself with his guf. And as far as my guf is concerned, I'm much more comfortable in my bedroom uh, uh, with a roof over my, with a ceiling and a roof than sleeping under the stars. As nice as that sounds for a minute or two, but, but in the sukkah, it, it certainly can be less than enjoyable. But <clears throat> So I have to go outside to sleep in the sukkah, or I'll find some, you know, heterim not to, whatever there's, there was a breeze or there was a, an ant that passed by through the sukkah, so I think I'm potter. Whatever it might be that, I, that I'm exempt from sleeping in the sukkah. All of those things come from, from the need, from that that need of the person to continue holding on to his goof, and the goof is uncomfortable in the sukkah. You, we understand that. It's not the, you don't have to be a rugged shavit to, to know that the goof, the body doesn't feel comfortable on, on some cheap mattress on the floor of a sukkah. It's, it's obvious. But the moment that a person identifies with the invisible part of who he is, and he enters into that world, and he's his zihui, his, he's opened up the safe, and he's gotten in, and in that place of the neshama, that's who he is, then the sukkah is no longer outside of me. The child is no longer outside of my life. It's not something extra additional that I do, because I have to. It's the mitzis of who I am, mamish. It's the mitzis of who I am, like the tzemach tzedek, they said about him, that if you would cut him open, chesidus would come out from his, would come, not blood, chesidus would come out from his finger, if you cut his finger, chesidus. The chakika, the engraving of Torah, to be engraved on a person. Chakika means, it's not that I have something written upon my life. There's my guf, and the Torah is written on my guf. It's engraved in me. Engraved in me means that it's something that can't be separated from who I am. I don't think I don't do things that are Jewish or think things that are Jewish. I am a Jew. That's the nimshal. When a person begins to not only to accept but to enjoy. That's where the enjoyment begins. That's where the dvekas is. That's where the that's where the excitement comes in. And by the way, with the muscles, the same thing. Not with the hospital, obviously. Nobody, but the being a parent, being a parent, you can enjoy it as hard as it is. As hard as it is, a person can enjoy it. And you, when you see parents that enjoy that, it's a pleasure. It's not so common, but there's one can enjoy it. And I don't mean to enjoy it when the kids are sleeping, or to enjoy it when the kids are in camp, or when the kids are by the grandparents. But to beemis enjoy. And feel the schus every single second of having a life that you share with these people. When you are when you are a father, when you are be'etzim a mother, and you identify yourself in such a way, it must be very clear from the beginning. Nobody's saying that we don't have a body. Vaday, shalom guf. Of course. Not only that, you have to take care of yourself. 
The Barishal wants us to do that. We live in this world. In the physical world. We're not living in Gan Eden. Man's choice is to live with one of these two uh, ways of identifying himself, one of these two identity cards. The first Nusach. I am essentially a body. That's the main part of my life. And I acknowledge, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a believing person, I acknowledge, everybody knows that there's something inside, like we spoke about last week, or else I'd be dead. There's something inside that's giving me life. So I accept, and a religious person knows that there's something very deep and mysterious and amazing inside of my goof that's called the neshama. But the same way when I was a baby, still now, I'm a goof, except I'm more expensive to take care of and more sophisticated, but goof. That has neshama inside. Klame ikr hazihui hu ima goof, meaning... My main way of identifying myself is as a guf. Just in this guf, <coughs> there is also a neshama. Again, I'm schlepping a neshama. But the main thing is a guf. So, I, so I'm, I'm also schlepping a sukkah. I'm schlepping tefillin. I'm schlepping davening. I'm schlepping Yiddishkeit. I'm schlepping a lot of things on this guf. It's amazing that it doesn't break down. That's one nusach. Second Nusach, of what it says on your card, on your, on your uh, what's it called, the soldiers, they wear that thing? On your tag. What does it say? Nusach, there's a second Nusach. Nishama shamulbash aleha guf. Oh, this is a different Nusach. I be'etzim, I'm a Nishama. Be'etzim, I'm a Ruach. Be'etzim, a Nishama. I'm a Nishama that's enclosed in a body. Nishama shamulbash aleha guf. This person, this person identifies with the neshama. I am a neshama. This neshama, because it's married to the guf, and Hashem wants it to be during these 120 years in the guf, my neshama is carrying around a guf. Not that the guf is schlepping a neshama. My neshama is schlepping a guf. It's a different... It's a, these are two totally different people. You either look at yourself as a goof that has the responsibility to schlep a neshama, or you look at yourself as a neshama that is schlepping a goof, that's taking care of the goof. Two totally different Jews, two different human beings. When this boy name, na. Think for a moment. Would a normal person identify himself with the shirt that he's wearing? It's absurd. That shirt, I mean, the person during the day wore some sort of a, some sort of a, 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 a wild, uh, crazy-looking, you know, uh, colored, uh, fancy shirt, I don't know, with all kinds of designs on it, and, and, and he wanted to give off this image of being a wild and crazy guy. So that night, that night that that that, uh, that shirt is in the is, that's in the machine that's in the laundry machine. So only a mishugna, only mishugna would refuse to let go of that, and would identify himself as the shirt that he's wearing. It's a lavush. Your name, your name, is Moshe Kapaya. <coughs> You're a yid. This is where you come from. This is who you are. You are wearing, you are wearing that uh, fancy shirt. 
But that goes in the laundry. That's not, that's not Batsum. That's not Batsum who you are. Like I told the Maisa, just finished in a minute, like I told the Maisa about the Bashamtov's, about the Bashamtov's, uh, horses that were flying. Uh, because the Bashamtov used to go with the nice, the, from place to place like that. And the horses, you know, the horse is flying through the air and they, and they, and they, they looked at each other, we're Malachim. But then when they landed, we said this last week, when they landed, they were, they were horses. And that's what we, that's, this is the Metzius of who I am. So you put the shirt in the laundry. You put the shirt in the laundry. And that's it. And in the morning he's wearing a new chutza. He's wearing a new shirt. So what, each and every day of a person's life, he's a different human being because of the shirt that he wears? We understand there are people that are like that. It's the Rahmanis. But a normal, healthy person is a person who's schlepping, who's wearing a shirt. Certainly the shirt is making a certain statement, and there's a big thing about fashion statements, and you're trying to say something about yourself. But if you become the shirt, it's achen vey. Oy, 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 oy. If you become the shirt that you're wearing, if you become the suit that you're wearing, if you look at yourself as that thing that's on you, then it's a big, it's a big, big, big rachmanis. If you look at the thing as that, as that person, if, if that's be'etzim, if that's be'etzim who you are, then, then it's a, then it's a very big Rahmanis. We'll continue as Hashem next week to understand how to disengage the shirt from the man and how to, and how to begin to enter into that world of, of, uh, of who we really are. And we're going to first have to go through a painful subject, the subject of the, the neshama and the guf or getting undressed after a person dies. The separation between the neshama and the guf after a person dies. As Hashem, we should all be zaycheh to spend these years that we have in this world understanding who we are and why we were put here. And we should be zaycheh as Hashem to see that time. And will be his nari, we offer, kumi livshi big day sefardich ami, when Yerushalayim will wear her clothing of splendor with the gula Hashem, la mitas mehem yom 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 yom